The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Today on Exploring the Word, we're going to look into one of the greatest chapters that I could think of in all the Bible to study. Matter of fact, it's the favorite of many people. And matter of fact, in John 14, we have two questions and a statement by the apostles. In verse 5, Thomas asked the question, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered it. In verse 8, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus taught him a lot. And then in verse 22, Judas, but not, not Judas's chariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Well, Jesus was always ready to answer those good questions that came to him. But many times when those Pharisees and others would try to trick him with questions, he would either usually, uh, most of the time, he would ask them a question and he'd say, if you answer this, I'll answer yours, and they could never answer. But today we're going to have three answers to these issues that these apostles brought up. Alex, I love John 14. Uh, Let me just say, I, I don't think it gets much better than this, brother. (laughs) Well, amen. Bird, it's a great honor to be with you and everybody listening on today's edition of Exploring the Word. One of my first verses I learned as a new believer was John 14, 1, where Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And very famously, it goes on, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Bert, the word in verse 1, troubled, Let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that a wonderful admonition from our our Savior? Now, the word translated troubled, it's a little bit lengthy, but let me me explain something. It it literally means, uh, the word troubled means agitated or shaken back and forth. And I think we all probably know what it is when when we're shook up, right? But here's what the Lord is saying. Let not your heart be absent of that thing it needs to remain at ease. Let me say it again. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is saying to us, let not your heart be absent of that thing which it needs to remain at ease. Now, what what do we need for our, to be at peace, for our spirit to be at ease, our heart to be comforted and tranquil? Believe in God, believe also in me. You want a peaceful heart, you want to be stable and inside, feel like everything's going to be okay, believe in God, believe also in his son, Jesus. Amen, Alex. And he repeats that in this same same chapter, this discussion that he's having with these three apostles. In verse 27, he says something, the same word, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he adds a phrase, neither let it be afraid. And here he is, he is preparing these for his departure. I'm not, he'd already told them, I'm going to go away. And so here it is, they are troubled. They are concerned. What are we going to do? And you're not here. You've been with us these three years. You've taught us. You've been with us. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, do not let this take place. I have given you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. He'll talk a good bit about the Spirit in this chapter. You're going to have what you need. So don't let your heart be uneasy. Be at peace. You have what you need. Relish and concentrate on that. Now, Alex, notice what he says here after let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This belief is more than head knowledge, and we've talked about this quite a bit. And it it is difficult to get the full meaning unless you've experienced this. And it's a, a trust, a reverential trust in God. Trust in God, trust in me. And, and so Alex, uh, he is talking about the present, 
But then he jumps to the future. In my father's house are many dwelling places, mansions. It's it's uh, it is translated here, but it's a it's a place that I've made for you. It says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to a pair of place for you. Now he had already answered this question to Peter in the first question. He said, I want to go with you, and he said, Well, you can't go now, but you're coming. And when you come, guess what? He's going to have a place prepared for Peter. Well, amen, amen. You know, the the wording there that's translated, um, you know, uh, a dwelling place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. Now, the word place there, dwelling place, is used only twice in the New Testament. The other time, not only John 14, 3, but John 14, 23, and Jesus says, if a man love me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, the prepared place where we'll be for eternity is our abode with Jesus. Isn't that something that the best place, the ideal place, the eternal place is with our Lord Jesus? And we have this promise for every believer will be there. And that is it. We'll be with him, our abode. And that is a little bit of abiding. And we're going to get that into chapter 15. If you abide in me and I in you, you know, so this is abiding in Christ. It's this relationship. And Jesus is bringing that to these apostles that are questioning and wondering. And he said, this relationship is real. And so this place, I know you've preached it, Alex. If you haven't, you've referred to it. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Now, I want to ask you a question. There's somebody out there always saying, I really want to go to heaven. I want to go to that abode. How do you become prepared, Alex? Well, you have to come to Jesus, and you begin by admitting that you're a sinner, and you acknowledge that he is the Savior, and then you ask. So have you ever done that, folks, in your heart to God, have you ever said, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, I'm guilty, and as such, I deserve punishment. Bert, um, there was a great man years ago named Jack Wurtson, and he founded a ministry called Word of Life, and Jack Wurtson came to Liberty, and he would preach in chapel, and Angie and I were newlyweds, and he prayed over us, and what a man of God he was. But Jack Wurtson said that before you can get somebody saved, first of all, you have to get them lost. And they have to acknowledge that they're a sinner. So here, this is so simple. And for some of you right now today, it's no accident you're hearing this program because God wants you to know that you know that you're ready to meet him. Admit that you're a sinner. And then acknowledge Jesus is the one who paid for your sins on the cross. And then simply ask him and say, Dear Lord Jesus, please wash my sins away. I do believe in you. I believe that when you died on that cross, you did it for me. And so, Lord, please save my soul. Wash my sin away. Make me your child and save me now. And Bert, remember, Jesus cannot lie, will not lie. And Christ has said, the one who calls on me, I will not reject. This abiding place and being ready for death, whenever we leave this world, you are prepared. It can begin instantaneously today for each and every person who call out to Jesus. And you not only have a peace that that surpasses all understanding here upon earth, when you're going through the most difficult times of your life, peace to the world is the absence of conflict. No, the peace that God brings is in a relationship with him, even in the midst of the conflict, that you have this peace that passes understanding. In this heaven, it's described uh, as a kingdom uh, in other places. In First Peter, he describes it as an inheritance that we receive. And, and even in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 2, it's our home, as you said. And, and so, Alex, this is a real place for real people. It's not a make-believe place. It's not a myth. Or it's not a legend. Heaven is real, and he wants you to know that. He wants you to have this confidence, and he says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. You're coming with me. That's when Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Now, he asked, how can we know the way? 
And Jesus just, I think, wipes everything he says. And I just want to quote part of what he said in verse 6. I am the way. He didn't say, I'll point you to the way. He didn't say that I'll lead you to the way. Jesus emphatically says, I am the way. Now, Alex, you're the English major. I'm not. But I know what the is. That's a pretty definite article, not just a, a suggestion. It is the way. That's definite, isn't it? Amen. You know, there's the part of speech, a definite article. This is the very, very definite article because Jesus is definitely the Savior. Of course, John 14, 6, one of the most famous verses where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And just think about it, Bert. Isn't it exciting? When you're born again and you have the Lord Jesus in your life, you have found the way. In fact, you're in a relationship with the way. You know what is the truth. And you have got the life. You know, there, there are people around, they think they're living it up, and they don't know it, but they're dead. If you've got Jesus, you're alive. And, uh, one of my now, favorite Alex, quotes, let me ask you this first. Uh, is there emphatic important that the, uh, he didn't say I'm the way, truth, and life. He says I'm the, tr- the way, the truth, the life. The definite article appears, and it's in the Greek language. It's not just, uh, they didn't place it there for understanding it, that's pretty, I mean, that, as you said, that was so emphatic, and it always really gripped me that thee appeared before each one of these words. Exactly. I mean, it's not inserted in there to iron out the text. Sometimes you'll see something in italics, and that means that that's, that's a word that was put in. It doesn't change the meaning, but it helps smooth out. But you're right. Uh, in, in the original language, the Greek, the definite article is in there. Way, truth, life, the way. And as we've said so many times, not a way, but the way. Uh, Jude verse 3 talks about the faith once delivered to the saints. Folks, there is no plan B. There's one way to get to heaven. Now, there, there are 10,000 ways to miss heaven. But there's one way to get to heaven, and the Bible calls it the new birth, being born from above, born again, and you put your faith in Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't, don't think, well, you know, I'm, I'll try to be a good person. I'll take my chances. Look, there is no chance. There is no opportunity, but only through a relationship with Christ. And because he's as close by as a prayer, you can begin that relationship with the Savior today, right now, this minute. And according to what he says in the last part of verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no exceptions that to this, it's only through Christ, no other way. Make sure that today, not works, not anything, but trusting Christ. We'll be back with more right after the break. We can all relate to the discipleship impact Sunday School or VBS has had on our children's lives. The greatest journey is just like that, but with worldwide impact. Your gift of $6 provides evangelism and discipleship for children and multiplication of the church in more than 100 countries worldwide. Join with AFR and other listeners in this powerful outreach, sending the gospel into the corners of the world. Since 2009, as a result of this program, more than 12 million children have made decisions to follow Christ. $60 reaches 10 children. $150 reaches 25 children. Your donation provides instruction materials in 12 discipleship lessons in a child's own language, led by a teacher trained by Samaritan's Purse. Call 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396 or donate online at AFR.net and help send children on the greatest journey. Long before Jesus was born, Isaiah 9-6 predicted that the government would be on his shoulders. Dr. Tony Evans says that prophecy was talking about a lot more than political authority. He'll explain with the help of this illustration as we spend two minutes with Tony. There are times when my grandkids have come over the house and gotten on my back for a piggyback ride. What they are expecting is I won't drop them. What they are expecting is I will hold them up. And what they are expecting is that I'll take them from point A to point Z, whatever the concluding point is, and that I will take them there safely. They're banking on the fact that if they put their weight on me, I got them. 
What Jesus is saying to you and me today is if you will let him govern you, he will give you a piggyback ride or a shoulder ride because he will bear the government of your life if you are a believer and he will carry the weight of it on his shoulders. Now, if he's carrying the weight of governing you on his shoulders, that means you don't have to be weighed down on your shoulders because he says, I will carry the weight of the government on my shoulders. Physically for the whole world in the future, currently right now for the church of Jesus Christ and his people. Jesus is ready to carry the weight of your sin, grant you forgiveness, and guarantee you an eternal future in heaven. Your part is to receive his gift by faith. How do you do that? Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link in the top menu. Tony has a short video that'll explain everything and some free resources that outline the next steps. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It's Bert. We're in John 14. You might want to follow along, and in just a few moments, we will take Bible questions. And you know, Bert, I want to say to everybody, since we are in the month of December, I want to say a very heartfelt Merry Christmas. Uh, we, around here, we happen to love Christmas. We get excited about Christmas. And, you know, speaking of uh, just uh, the greatest gift, the greatest season, just the greatest birth in history, Jesus. Yesterday, Bert, you and I talked briefly about the greatest journey. And, you know, the shoeboxes have gone out and, and are going out, the Operation Christmas Child. The Billy Graham Ministry, they do a wonderful thing in Samaritan's Purse, not only winning children to Christ, but helping children grow up in Christ. And just $6 will scholarship a child to take the greatest journey discipleship course and help them mature in the Lord. And Bert, I just wanted to, to revisit that a little bit and talk about the greatest journey because that's the greatest message, isn't it? It is. And and like you said, for that $6, you supply the booklet, but when they complete it, they get a graduation certificate, a New Testament Bible, and what a joy. And it's all through the local church that they're connected with. Uh, that's what Samaritan's Purse does. They work with that local church, with a local teacher, trained, and what an opportunity. If you give $60, that would reach 10 children. If my math is right, Alex, 150 would 25 children. What a difference you make. And I, listen, that number, let me give that, write it down, 877 616 2396 877-616-2396, or you can still go online at AFR.net, follow that link, and you can make your pledge there. Alex, what an opportunity for a great ministry. Well, and you know, Bert, I happen, I, I was privileged about a decade ago, uh, I was um, at the Billy Graham Ministry doing speaking in chapel, and when it was being developed, it's a 12-lesson Bible study, um, I, I saw actually some of the first drafts of it, if you will. It is wonderful content. It's being used by Samaritan's Purse, and $6, it's just, it's very, very good material to help children grow in their walk with the Lord. And so the recipients of the, the Operation Christmas Child shoebox, then they'll make a decision for Christ, they'll get discipled in the greatest journey. $6 is a scholarship for each child, and we, we believe in it, and it's it's very good to help kids get grounded in their walk with Jesus. It does, and here at AFR, we, we can chew gum and walk at the same time. By that, I mean <laughs> we do have programs that talk about what we need to do in our present world. 
because we're to make a difference in our present world here in America. The privilege of freedom of worship and and what marriage is, God said it was, what life is, all those things, and we are going to be on the front lines of that. But we're also wanting to be on the front lines sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We do both at AFR, and not only just get them saved, but we want them to grow in Christ. And then this greatest journey, it helps those grow in Christ. There's been 15 million children that have made a commitment to Christ, and they followed up with this greatest journey. Uh, Alex, uh, like I told yesterday, I love Christmas, but Operation Christmas Child and the Greatest Journey makes me love it even more. Well, amen, amen. Well, we're in John chapter 14, and you know, after that very famous verse where Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but through Him. And he goes on in verse 7, he says, Look, if you know me, you know the Father. You know, who is Almighty God? Well, Bert, it's been said, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know God, then know Jesus, because Jesus was sent from the Father. Jesus is God incarnate. And Bert, um, I can't say I completely understand this, but I absolutely believe it, that God took on a human body came into this world, and Jesus could go to the cross, pay for our sins, because he is God incarnate. And he says in verse 7 that from now on, look, you know and you have seen the Father because you know me and have seen me. And so Philip, in verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In other words, so make the Father appear and we'll be satisfied. And, Bert, in verse 9, is there a little bit of a gentle rebuke? <laughs> there is. That, let me say it, and then you finish it up. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Notice Philip. Now, Jesus uh, calls him by name. Now, Philip seems to be like one of the lesser known. He's not He's not a James and a John and an Andrew. Or he's Peter. Uh, Peter. He is. He is. Uh, Philip, but Jesus, if you know me, Philip, and so I, I agree with you. It is a gentle, gentle. Uh, I, I think that's a great way for us to try to do it to begin with. When we have some people that might say something that is insufficient, say something that is not quite there, uh, we don't have to jump all over them to begin with. This gentle, I'd say, correction is that a uh, you know gentle yeah. knowledge. It, it really, I think it would suffice, Philip. Well, and it's almost like a teaching technique of the Lord to ask a question, because he asked a question of Nicodemus. He said, are you a master of Israel? You're, you're one of the leaders, and you don't know about being born again? And he says to Philip here, have I been with you so long a time, and, and you don't know this yet? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So why are you saying, show us the Father? Uh, believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Now, what verse 11 is saying, now, how do we know Jesus is real? Because he has taught the way to God, he's spoken the works of the Father, corroborated it by the miracles. Who else could forgive sin? Who else could raise Lazarus? Who else could control the elements, stop the storm? Who else could walk on water? And of course, Bert, as as we know, there's coming up the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection from the dead. So all of these things say, okay, Jesus is the one. He's the real deal. He's the Messiah. And when we have got Jesus... We, the law has been fulfilled, not because we did it, Jesus did it. We know the Father because the Father is in Jesus and Jesus in him. And so in Jesus, you have a relationship with God, and all the, the mandates of God's righteousness have been fulfilled, not because we did it, we can't, but Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness by a relationship with him. And that relationship is eternal. It's not one that comes and goes. 
And so he says to Philip and the other apostles, I think he's drawn them in. Now, all these questions and comments, uh, it's not like a private discussion between Thomas and Jesus, Philip and Jesus, and then Judas and Jesus. These are, he's gathered with all of them, but these are the three that made these comments and questions. Verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Now, he's not going to say, okay, you can raise dead. I, I raised Lazarus in four days. You're going to raise people that's been dead eight days. No, he said there's going to be more of you. Uh, you're going to do it. And he's. I think he's talking collectively to the apostles. And then he also would be caught talking collectively to us, Alex, and saying, keep doing the work that I've called you to do. Be faithful in that work. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this anything in my name, in my name, has a lot to do with it. It's not like a magic formula. In other words, when you're lined up with me and you're lined up with the Father, what you will ask will be in line with what I want to do. So, Alex, uh, this is not a car block thing. Mm. Okay, I, I want a new Jaguar. I, I want a Corvette. No, it's not that. It's asking in accordance to God and what he has done and will do through in and through you, isn't it? That's true. I, I completely agree. And and it's really, if you read the John 14, 15, and 16, where it talks about, on at least three occasions, ask in my name according to my will, um, it's not selfishly, you know, asking for material goods for ourselves, although God really does bless and provide our needs. But I think it's about the Great Commission, because it's talking about, you know, what we're going to do through Him. And that's why I think it's time that we begin to pray for some history-changing movements of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I drove in here in a beat-up old car, and when I go out there today, let it be brand new in Jesus' name. doesn't mean that. If you want a brand new car, save your money and work hard and prepare. But look, when it comes to the Great Commission, Bert, what if we, in Jesus' name, and we do know it's a, this is his will, but what if we begin to pray, oh God, please send a great revival to America. Please turn back the LGBTQ trans movement. Uh, Lord, please save North Africa and the Islamic world and Morocco, North Korea. Right now, I'm, I'm told that there, we just don't even know if any, any missionaries from the West are even able to have a foothold in North Korea. We don't know what the gospel is. But how about we pray in Jesus' name that North Korea gets opened up and evangelized? Um about a car or a gold watch, I don't know. But when it comes to great, great strides for the furtherance of God's kingdom and the gospel, now that's the kind of prayer that we're going to ask in his name and believe him for. Amen. Because it is that I, in my will, my will being done, we want God's will to be done. And God's will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that we would be faithful stewards of what he's given us. It says he has made us sufficient ministries, and uh, he's given us that, and we're ambassadors, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Alex, all of those are the connected to the gospel and, and getting it out. So when he says this, I will, in verse 16, I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, paraclete that he may abide with you forever. There's that word abide, abode. Uh, it is it is really referred to and alluded to so many times, and it's always talking about a relationship. And even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, Alex, Notice the two phrases that he describes the Holy Spirit. Helper or paraclete, comforter is what some say, the spirit of truth. Now, this spirit, this comforter is not him holding his hand. Now, he does this. He helps us. 
but it has a greater meaning that he gives us what we need. It's the idea that he, it is with strength. The idea is with strength he gives us what we need. But to, the true comfort strengthens us to faith, face life bravely, you know, not mm-hmm. just so, okay, I'm just going to, you know, lay in this comfortable, easy chair. No, it's the ability to face life with confidence because God's in us. That And is, is that parallel with what Jesus is saying? I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I, as I have been with you, the Holy Spirit's going to be in you, and he's going to lead you all truth. Matter of fact, he's the spirit of truth, isn't he? Amen. And, and you know, really, in, in the English, the way it reads is even the spirit of truth. But let me say, uh, in the original language, the way it's really structured is uh, the spirit, the truth, the spirit who is truth. The Holy Spirit of God, and let's remember, God the Spirit gave the words of Scripture. That's why we need to be vigilant in knowing what God's Word says and believing what God's Word says. And, and folks, let me just say, I mean, I believe what the Bible says about creation, not Charles Darwin. I believe what God's Word says about the creation of the world, the creation of the human race, the nature of humanity, the, the fall, sin, redemption, salvation, the risen Lord Jesus, His soon return. Folks, I, I would just urge you, as the Word of God urges all of us, believe what God says, because here's the thing, Bert, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth. It is God's nature to be truthful. And so when something out there in this world goes sideways against the Bible, it's not true. I mean, either God is truth or the 10,000 voices of this world. And so when it talks about that Jesus would send the Holy Spirit, the spirit who is truth, to guide us into all truth. Bert, we live in a world of opinions and lies, and yet God has told us what the truth is. And if it's counter to Scripture, it's not of the Holy Spirit, is it? It is not, regardless of the spin. You know, we hear that word all the time, though, according to how they spin it. No truth is the answer, and it's in Christ. It's what he has said. And, and so that is the assurance we have. Listen to this, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. What Mm. a promise. Life is in Christ and in Christ alone. We're going to take your phone call, so we'd love for you to call with your Bible question, 888-589-8840. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The wear and tear of everyday life can really take a toll on your marriage. On the next Focus on the Family, Dr. Randy Schrader offers simple tips for a marriage tune-up, practical steps for a closer relationship with your spouse, from appreciation to communication, next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price 
for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. For years, the promoters of the spurious, settled science narrative have claimed there is a 97 to 99% consensus among scientists about man-caused climate change. However, thanks to a recently published survey of top-level climate scientists conducted by Fairleigh Dickinson University and the Heartland Institute, we now know 41% of climate scientists don't believe in catastrophic climate change. Last I checked, science is never conducted by consensus anyway. Many of us have known the climate science debate wasn't settled, but this extensive study supports that idea. Science requires questioning. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Hey, here's that number, toll-free nationwide. We would love for you to call and have a Bible question, and Bergen, and I will give you an answer. That number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can call right now with your Bible question. Bert, I've got to tell you, Angie and I have been having the best time. <coughs> Excuse me. We're in Missouri and we're at Child Evangelism Fellowship, and we've been hearing about their mission work around the world, and this is very special to us to see CEF up close, and I had the privilege of speaking in chapel today to their staff, but uh, Angie, my wife, when she was in third grade, she was led to Christ by a worker from a, a CEF Good News Club, and so to be here for two days at the headquarters of Child Evangelism Fellowship right outside of St. Louis has been very special to us. It has to be. What a job they have done and continue to do. And, uh, Alex, I know it's a privilege, Angie, being able to go there. It reminds me of some of the people that received the shoebox, and then they got to come to America and go to Boone, North Carolina, and be <laughs> be there at the headquarters, you know. And so mm-hmm. here's Angie, a third grader, going back to Child Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, the teacher's there, trained, and she had led to the Lord to be there. It's got to be a great time. So praise the Lord, guys, and hope you have a great time. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And our first caller today is from Michigan, and it is Jill. Jill, welcome. Hi. Um, that's funny. I'm actually from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm living in Michigan right now. Though, oh, wow. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for your teaching. I'm new to learning and studying the Bible. But what I've noticed is, um, and I may be wrong in my observation, but Jesus did a lot of healing before he went and did his teaching. And then I was wondering, what can we take away from that in how to live in for God? Okay, there's an old song, and it was new back in my younger days, uh, but it's, it was, how do you tell a hungry man about the bread of life? How do you tell a thirsty man about the living water of God's Word? And so what it is, Jill, even today, we help people, but the greatest need they have is that spiritual relationship that relationship with God. But yes, healing's a part of it. Praying for healing. Listen, James makes it plain. If they're sick among you, call the elders, anoint them with oil, confess your sins one to another, and pray that the prayer might be answered. Uh, so Alex, uh, we still, uh, healing business is still involved. But what Jesus has done, I think in the New Testament, uh, he, he tends to not want the individual to be glorified. He wants himself to be glorified. I think that's why he sent them out two by two. He, you know, it was accountability, 
but both of them was there when those people were healed. Uh, when James, uh, excuse me, when Peter and John went up to the temple, yes, they went together there when the man was healed. So healing and teaching, they still happen today, don't they? They, they really do. I think about Matthew 4, 23 and 24. It says, Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And news of Jesus spread throughout the whole region. So, Bert, I, I think the miracles, they validated the man and the message, who he was and what he taught, because, as they said, nobody could do the works that he did unless he be from God, and certainly, indeed, he was. Amen. Thank you, Jill. And keep uh, new to the Bible. Listen, you're in for a great journey. We've been talking about the greatest journey. Following Christ is a great adventure in a journey. So I praise God. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, and you will be blessed. Again, thank you, Jill. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to John. Welcome, John. Uh, yeah, uh, I just want to point out I've been saved for a long time, praise the Lord, but uh, I just want to speak to who, whoever can hear my voice. I know that everything that is going on in this country, in this world, is not going to go back to what it used to be. Listen to me. You better, uh, if you have friends or relatives, whatever that you know are not saved, it's high time that you let them know and you witness to them, or even you yourself if you're not sure. Uh, I'm not talking to you, Bert, or, um, <laughs> but anyway, of course, but, um, no, uh, all the abortion, all the stuff that's going on in the country and the world and LGBTQ, whatever, and so forth and so on, it's not going to turn around. Uh, yes, I'm going to continue to do what I'm supposed to do, vote and all that, of course. But it, it's, it's, uh, I kind of feel like Paul Revere telling everybody the British are coming, but it's not. It's Jesus. He's coming, and he's he's got to be coming soon. It's mm. not going to turn around, so get out there and let your relatives and friends. It's time to witness, period. John, thank hey, you Bert. for your calling. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, I think about uh, Romans thirteen eleven. It says, Now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Um I, I think I kind of hear the heartbeat of the caller that, um, you know, I pray for a revival, and, and I know God could do it. Yes, the Lord could turn this nation around, and he may, and I hope so, but um, I know it's time to be ready, to stay ready, stay faithful. Let's try to get all the children and loved ones into the family, because one of these days, Bert, there's going to be a trumpet sound, isn't there? There is. Let me say this. The movement might not go away. We may be stuck with the movement, but praise God, individuals can come to Christ. Laura Perry, who's been on our program many times, brought out of that lifestyle and now just beaming for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, John, you're exactly right. We want to go after the individuals, and we still do that, and praise God. Thank you for that great call. Uh, next, we want to go to Virginia and talk to Jack. Jack, welcome. Thank you, Bert. Uh, it's good to hear from you. And Alex there, I just wanted to call and pray over you. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just come now with these two brothers where you say two or more in our, 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 in our midst. We uh, pray right now that you just receive this word and receive this message that's been brought to us today. I just pray over both of them that you continue to strengthen them and guide them, God. Give them the words to counsel others that are uh, struggling right now, God, for uh, uh, hope and uh, just uh, strengthen the scriptures, dear God. Give them the words to say that uh, might be complicated, God, that you just show the love that uh, you bring through them. I just lift them both up to you and just uh, pray and let them know in their hearts that they're obedience to you is a blessing to me and that there are those out here on the road that uh, travel these roads dear God that we are listening and uh, trying to walk in obedience and uh, we just ask you to continue to strengthen their faith in Jesus name I pray amen amen Jack brother thank you so much amen uh, 
let me just say, Alex and I, we want to stay faithful to the end. Uh, I don't want to vary from truth. Alex, thank you for men and women like Jack that pray for us. I, I hear people tell us that all the time. We pray for you and Alex, and we yes. say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, don't we, Alex? We do. Thank you so much. And and I just want to say we, we love and appreciate each and every one of you, and we do. We want to be faithful. And, Bert, I just give God the glory how this radio program, Exploring the Word, touches so many lives. Um, you and I have been doing it for about 10 years. I hope we get to do it for uh, 30 uh, more years. Hey, I'm in it. For, I'm in it all the way, brother. Amen. Thank you again, uh, Jack. Thank you. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Edwin. Edwin, welcome. Hello. I was calling, uh, well, I want, first I want to say uh, how good it is to be able to call in and talk to you, Alex and Bert. And I'll ditto what the previous caller just said. We're so thankful for both of you. My call is, as far as the coming holidays, Christmas, I wonder what the Bible says about people that want to leave the birth of Jesus out of Christmas. I know I've mentioned it to some people. They get a little bit offensive about me pointing it out to them that it is a a birth of Jesus holiday, not just a celebration of exchanging gifts. We did that in Thanksgiving. So if you could help help me out on that, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Edwin. Alex, let me tell you, Satan has on a rampage of getting Jesus out of everything. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, look what happened in Bethlehem at the birth. It's it's always that. And all the religions of the world, Edwin, it has not changed anything but Jesus. And so when we say Christmas, hey, go ahead and say Christ Mass if you need to. It is Jesus. And we, if they don't, we make much of Jesus, don't we, Alex? We do. Bert, I, I don't know where this came from, but years ago when Angie and I first got married, we sent out Christmas cards, and I came across this Christmas card. I love it. it on the, the front, it said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God might have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God might have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Amen. And that his name, and folks, call on it. We hope you know him. His name is Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen, Edwin. What what calls today? Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Karen. Welcome, Karen. Yes, hello. Yes, you're on. Thank you for calling today. Thank you. I so enjoy your program. And my question tonight today concerns Hebrews 12. It talks about God's discipline. And if you're not disciplined, then you're not saved. So I want to know, how can we know if we're being disciplined? Okay. Uh, Alex, the difference in punishment and discipline. As a child, it didn't register with me. I, I, uh, my mother would say, we're, we're disciplining you. not put, But as a child, sometimes we have a hard time knowing the difference. But discipline is not just for correction. It is for growth, isn't it? Well, it, it really is. And, you know, um, if ever a parent says to a child before a, a spanking, uh, I'm doing this because I love you. Now, Bert, I was privileged. I didn't get a lot of spankings. Um, all in all, I was I, I wasn't that bad of a kid, I don't think. But the 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 two or three times my daddy ever had to whip me, he said, "Son, I'm doing this because I love you." And I was like, "Well, I don't understand this at all." <laughs> but looking back, he it was out of love, and I needed the few I got, and probably twice as many more. But you know, First Peter four fifteen says if if you suffer as an evildoer, a murderer, a thief, a crook, or busybody, it says don't suffer that way. So like if you break the law and you go to jail, um, that's not the chastisement of God. That's just your just desserts for doing wrong. But I, I do think um, conviction, and we've all said things we felt bad because we knew we shouldn't have said it or shouldn't have done it. Um, 
circumstances. Let, let me just say, the most miserable people ever, the most unhappy people, is the child of God who's getting out of the will of God. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, somehow or another, y- you know, like let's say if you've gotten lax in going to church, you might sleep in on Sunday morning, but I guarantee deep down you probably feel bad about it. You know? I mean, really. Yeah. Uh, I think you know that you're a child of God, perhaps under the discipline of God, because you might be out there out of the pathway, but deep down you feel bad about it. And it is correction. Again, when I said that, it is correct. Whom he loves, he corrects. That is true. But it's correcting us into being more like Christ. That's like Romans eight, uh, twenty, uh, uh, Romans five twenty-eight, and then twenty-nine. God works all things for our good to those who are called by God, who are called to according to His purpose. And then in twenty-nine, it tells us what our good is: that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. God's discipline is always to make us more like Jesus. So we wanted it. We're going to try to get one more call in. Hoyt in Georgia. Welcome, Hoyt. Don't have a lot of time. Go quickly, brother. Well, I was wondering, I know, since it was prophesied that Jesus was going to be betrayed, what did he mean by that statement he made in Matthew 26, 24? Okay, here it is. Let me read 23 and 24 real quick, Alex, and you respond. Then he answered Jesus and said, He who dips his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Talking about Judas. The Son of Man goes as it is written to him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Alex, uh, I think the punishment, but also regret. After Judas's carrot, he went and hung himself. Uh, the regret, mm. he wished he had never been born. Well, and you know, this is a, a reference to Psalm 41, verse 9. It was prophesied, The friend in whom I trusted, who ate bread with me, has lifted up his heel against me. Uh, it was a prophecy, you know, roughly a thousand years before the birth of Christ, that uh, uh, an apparent friend would actually be the betrayer. And that was Judas. He sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed innocent blood, didn't he, bro? He really did. And again, God knew he'd do it, but he did not have to. It's one of those things that that he, he was not, uh, oh, boy, I'm doing the will of God by betraying Jesus. I'm, I'm all right. No, he sinned. And uh, listen, when Satan entered into him that we talked about yesterday, to do evil. Hey, by the way, before we go, remember this number, the greatest journey number to help children grow in Christ, 877-616-2396 or go online at AFR.net. $6 provides that student booklet for that child. So let's be a part of this. What a great opportunity to be a part of the greatest journey. Alex, it's been good to be with you. We're going to be back tomorrow. And we're going to look at the rest of John 14. You don't want to miss it. It gets better and better and better. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.